0: That's good fam, happy Wednesday everybody. I hope you're having a great day. If you're watching this and you notice it's Will It's Good Wednesday, but we're sitting on the couch because we have a very special guest in the house today. We have my father, Willie Robertson, bandana and all. Who didn't get the memo that this was like a full body shot? He was thinking more zoom.
1: (laughs) Shockingly, for some people thinking I didn't even mess with this, but I didn't know potentially my legs were
0: (laughs) showing. So I was unprepared. Looking, uh, you know, pretty nice from uh, waist up, and then some camo shorts and his. (laughs) These are actually
1: swimming shorts, and yeah, not prepared. But and then you laid this pillow out. And I thought it, it could just be an extension of my beard. where well, now it's just like I'm sitting here with no shirt on either. Just in trunks. So. That
0: is terrible. <laughs> so if you're uh, listening to this and not watching this, you're going to have to go check this out on YouTube <laughs> later to get the full effect. Uh, also, if anyone from Hocus happens to be watching this, oh, God. no one has more Hocus than this <laughs> man right here. So if you're looking for some sponsor deals, he's the guy. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. He's the guy.
0: Sure. Um, you would definitely think that you're sponsored by Hoka, by the way, because his whole closet, it's, it's like ridiculous. How I many like, pairs? I
1: like the shoes I have how many pairs that i have out of the box or that i still have in oh the box gosh. well i made myself a deal you speak a lot i speak a lot every event i did i wanted to have a new pair of shoes that is hilarious uh, and so but i started doing way too many events so yeah it like you do a lot, a lot of, of events so now i have to like mix in some others but um yeah i do like the way they he
0: loves the hoka lifestyle
1: they help with my uh my shins and my you rock
0: them you definitely rock them but i'm excited for him to be on the podcast today we're going to talk a lot about his childhood and life and all the things um because there is a new movie coming out september 28th called the blind if you haven't heard us talk about this yet or seen it on social media it's a story about his dad my peppa phil's life um before the dynasty which i guess you can really attest to this um y'all's life didn't always look like a dynasty.
1: Well, no, and not just Phil's life, but Kay's life. Yes. Uh, And actually my life, because uh, I'm actually on the film. Yeah. Played by John Shepard, my grandson. So sweet. Your nephew at two years old. Which Um, is
0: really sweet. Isn't that
1: cool? Yeah. Uh, So it's fun watching him. And so that's kind of the time frame. So we're talking about around 50 years ago, uh, this time frame. And uh, no, it wasn't. You know, watching the movie uh, for me... It's difficult and I, and i i I really felt bad for mom and dad for like because it's like you're taking the worst part of your life and then you know um, burning it in pictures and screens you know to live forever uh so it's difficult and I know that was tough for them because you know a lot of things in your past you're like, hey, move on and yeah. there's no record of wrongs yeah. and they' you know like you you have no past, only yeah. a future and so but here we kind of dwell on that time, I think to show the impact one how close it was for there never being a dynasty never being duck commander never you know having anything uh that came out um who knows you may not exist uh Mm -hmm. if that were the case and so you just realize how close uh, it was in our life and obviously for my life i'm so glad that that, that was able to work out, but really how close it is for a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives. And some don't, you know. Yeah. They don't, you know, they're not rescued by the gospel and they mm-hmm. don't, you know, and their lives fall apart or people pass away, or you know, they overdose and all these yeah. kind of things. And so you realize how important it is uh for that life change to happen. So uh that was one just real sobering thought. And it is a it's a lot different than Duck Dynasty, uh, because now you're seeing Once there's been redemption, once there's been life change, and once the you know, we've lived our lives like this, and so you see fun and comedy and Mm -hmm. uh family and uh prayer at the end of a show. Uh but this is back when it was like uh it was it was bad. And so the marriage uh my parents' marriage was essentially over. Uh Phil had kicked us out of the house. Um he's just not a good guy. And I think Kay at that point was searching for something. Um, she obeys the gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, and thankfully dad's sister, my aunt Jan, who's passed away now as well. Um, just had this real burning heart for God, even at a young age and, um, and just never gave up on her Mm -hmm. brother. And so she goes and, uh, begs this preacher to, to go up to this, you know, bar and actually talk to Phil. And so that's in the movie. And, um, and so Phil hears the gospel Uh, he, (laughs) he's not like he, um, he doesn't even respond. You know, in fact, he probably doesn't even want to hear it. Uh, but that's the way the gospel does. When it gets in people's hearts, you let the Holy spirit work. And it wasn't till he, he'd really come to the end of himself and just was desperate and alone and had lost everything. And that's when that seed that was planted, he's like, I want to go. I need to know more about that. And so, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's that movie of really, Kind of how they grew up. And so you start to understand um, even uh, stuff with my grandmother, uh, Granny, who uh, you have some memory of, but not a lot. And Mm -hmm. I sure do because she was great, although she had mental illness. And so there was a lot of difficulties and challenges and Mm -hmm. feeling them were uh, in extreme poverty. And Mm -hmm. so just the way they grew up. And um, yeah, I think it's remarkable. Really just coming out of and ended up being successful in business and obviously TV and all that from where they came yeah. from. Uh, so that's impressive as well. Outside of the the mm-hmm. faith aspect of yeah. it, just, just really coming out and changing, yeah. you know, a link in a chain that was looking like it was just desperateness. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so yeah, that's, it's a, um, it's powerful. and I think the reason Phil, it's kind of like Duck Dynasty, like when, when I first approached him about doing television and he was just like a hard no, like, nah, you know, nobody's gonna watch this or it's not. And, um, and I told him then, I said, well, dad, I think it is a it could be a bigger platform for us to get the gospel out. Yeah. When I said that, he said, well, if it'll get the gospel out, then I'll do it. We did Duck Dynasty. Obviously, that's happened not just through the show, but also through the podcast, through all the things, the books that came out yeah. of that. Now this movie uh, that also comes out of that. So the movie was the same way. It's like, if we can show this and show how you were and show how your family was yeah. and how you had really messed everything up through sin and damage and all that, and show that you can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. And I think at that thought, he's like, "Well, if it helps somebody yeah. um, share their faith and or, or be open to the gospel, receptive," um, and that changed. And so, and it's so remarkable, Sadie, that when I when I think about, especially what you're doing and what the impact that you have and the reach you have and the people that listen, the books you've written, and all that, and all the things that you do. If you start backtracking this and you go all the way back 50 years ago down to a couple hmm. that was in Junction City, Arkansas, that had no money, no fame, no anything—it's like nothing going for themselves. Um, there was a decision made right there that could have went one way or the other, and because that faith was instilled in them, because they obeyed the gospel, because they changed their life radically, mm-hmm. it helped. Immediately the three boys, which I was the youngest at the time. And if it would have been just for that, it would have been worth it. Mm-hmm. It would have been like, hey, our family's together. But once you start taking that forward, then Duck Commander comes out, is able to run as a business, Duck Dynasty. Um, my whole life changed in that now I'm going to a church camp,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which we wouldn't I wouldn't have been going to a church camp because yeah. we didn't go to church. That's where I met mom. Yeah. That's where our family, all the other families, all that came around to Duck Dynasty. Hundreds of millions of people all over the world were exposed to a prayer at the end of a show yeah. that had an impact. Now there's books. Now this movie, your podcast, everything you're doing, none of that happens. Yeah. Like literally hundreds of millions of yep. people expose that. None of that happens. You go back to that couple right there. Yeah. If that guy doesn't go up there and preach the gospel, yeah. If if dad's sister says he is too far gone, if yeah. mom if and even if mom says, I can't get over it and I'm not yeah. willing to try. And so that inspires me, knowing that, that the impact of what God can do just from that story, that inspires me to say, you never know who. Yeah. Uh, so you never give up on anybody because you're, you're, when it's at its worst, you're like, there's no way this can get better. Just let the gospel in there. Good. Let the Holy Spirit work. Let it, and then watch how it can it can change lives. Um, I baptized this guy I think last year, and he, I said well, this will really have an impact on your kids. And he said, Willie, I don't have any kids. And I said, but you may have kids. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do have kids, this will impact right. their lives. Because now once you change your life, you should have a whole different outlook on yeah. life and become a new person. That's good. And that will directly affect your kids. So. That's good.
0: KiwiCo has something for everyone with different topics for each age from space to dinosaurs and so much more. I am so excited about the summer series. We actually are getting this little driver that I know Haven is going to love because it's a little steering wheel and she loves anything active and also a little like neighborhood fun one where they have a water paint thing which is so good because it's not gonna make a mess and Honey is so into painting right now and painting with a three-year-old yeah that's just hard so I'm excited for the no mess. KiwiCo offers kids a chance to get outside and explore screen free with projects like the bottle rocket kit from the summer adventure series they can turn the outdoors into a playground of learning and fun. or weekly for six weeks, depending on your schedule. If you like it all at once, that's great. Or space it out a little bit. Build the best summer ever with KiwiCo. Get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash Sadie Rob Summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico. K I W I C O dot com slash Sadie Rob Summer. or just text WOE to 500-500. That's Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash WOE or text WOE to 500-500 to try Audible for free for 30 days. Good Gosh, it's so powerful and for so many different reasons. And we could pick apart each different person's story in the movie and it can relate to someone here listening whether you're in Pitbull Fields position and you're really far gone and you're living a life of sin and you feel stuck in that and you're kind of hit rock bottom this movie's for you mm-hmm. or if you're like Jan you're the sister who's believing for someone who is far gone you're thinking there's no way they're <clears throat> going to turn but you keep believing you keep putting the right people in their life or you're in the marriage that's falling apart and mm-hmm. you're the wife and you're believing for your husband but he's not coming back like this movie it hits so many different people's lives you you have have to to get over
1: can you can you can you shine that you could be one of us the kids not fair yeah like it wasn't fair to us as little kids yeah for our parents to be like that for them to have gotten themselves in that spot for dad to be mean and unkind and not there for us and all that and so either we could have lived in that and just said well life wasn't fair and so it messed us up Mm -hmm. so yeah you can find yourself in that story somewhere uh are you the guy? Yeah. Are you the preacher? Are yeah. you someone who may need to go talk to someone?
0: Yeah, like
1: you may be thinking of someone right now, going, oh, "I really need to talk to my sister. I need to talk to my cousin, or I need to talk to that friend, or that boyfriend or girlfriend, whoever that is. Do I need to just go have a conversation? because yeah. that guy got in a car and drove to a bar, which is very uncommon for, for preachers a preacher. to do across state lines. Yeah, and and even when I think about that, say I think about like like pastors, and I think would you go somewhere he wasn't even from the Drive area so it wasn't State. like it's gonna he's gonna be in his church he didn't have any money it wasn't like you know uh, he's literally going just to try to help this guy because he knows her sister that's yeah it. and that was a that was a lot i was just i'm so thankful and i was able to obviously hang out with him a lot throughout life uh Uh, That very same uh, preacher and actually hear those stories. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's such a good point
0: too, because I think that a lot of times, especially people who are younger, they want to do ministry, but they think of ministry as being a platform or a stage or something big, you know. Mm -hmm. But ministry is sharing the gospel with people, right? Ministry is going and telling. And this guy who is a pastor went and drove to Junction City, Arkansas to a bar, which might have seemed like insignificant ministry Mm -hmm. if you're going to compare ministry to a stage or whatever you think it is. Or even
1: scary ministry.
0: And scary, yeah, intimidating. (laughs) Like you're going into a rough bar to a man who is like rough.
1: Unstable.
0: Unstable, violent, violent, drunk, and sharing the gospel. But yet that man... 50 years later has reached like millions of people with the gospel because of this pastor mm-hmm. getting in the car and driving. And so, and his sister praying and asking the pastor right. to go and doing all that. And then his wife forgiving him for all of that and staying with him. It really is the most powerful story. And I think it's so cool that you shared like, this doesn't feel like Doug Dynasty. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like the comedy and the funny. I mean, there is Uncle Cyan si in there who it's kind of fun to see yeah. him as a kid and Some funny things about, you know, the three of them going on dates together and whatnot. Um, So there's some sweetness. There's a dinner table scene, some Uh sweet things. But it's not funny. It's hard. But I think what's really cool is most people listening or who are going to go see it have seen the funny. They've seen the family. Mm -hmm. And what I've gotten a lot of times is like, you know, oh, if I had a family like yours, then that would be really awesome. Or like, you know. I've, I don't even know how what that even looks like like your family because people look at her family and it's like wow they're all together and they're happy and mm-hmm. like people can't relate to that sometimes but I think it's really cool to say no we can relate like there was a time
1: yeah when you see this movie you'll yeah. say oh that may look more like that
0: <laughs> might look more like my family and um, and that's hard and the reality is that is really hard but look what can happen when the gospel takes place like this was a family who um, had gone through poverty and abuse and and drunkenness and all this stuff and mm. mental illness and me- mental illness um through Pebblefield's mom and how that affected the kids but like look at what god has done with that story and i'm about to preach this sermon coming up i'm actually preaching it at conference but
1: i heard you the were
0: whole the him. whole uh thought of this is that There's a moment in everyone's life, and when you look at the Bible, I mean, it's crazy. I am not don't want to preach the whole sermon here, but when you look at the Bible, there is a moment in every story of the Bible and a moment in every story of our life that it looks like you're stuck. It looks like you're stuck in a situation. Mm -hmm. There's no way out, and it's normally in the position where you're stuck that you either do one of two things. You either Trust the Lord, and it's right. It's you're in a moment of being stuck, and it's right before His glory is crazily revealed in your life. Mm -hmm. Or it's a moment that you're stuck, and you stay stuck, and it's a place you stay to die. Mm -hmm. And there are stories in the Bible where they feel stuck, and they get panicked, and it's like we're gonna die here, and all this stuff. But then there's these moments right before, in that panicky moment, that God comes, and they trust the Lord, and Mm -hmm. God brings them out, and His glory is revealed. And this is a prime example of that. That it looks like it's the end, it's over, when you see the movie, there is like a hard time period where yeah. he is like so far gone. But it's in that moment that instead of like staying there to die, he let God's glory be revealed in his life and accepted that forgiveness and started walking with it. And I just want to ask you, so you were a kid and Pebbleville's mm-hmm. Phil's life just all of a sudden changes and he comes back living with y'all because they were separated. Mm-hmm. And what did that, if you remember, do you remember like the stage from he was so bad to now he's living with y'all was there like some weirdness, some awkwardness was it like full force what what yeah, did that I, look like
1: I don't remember uh the only you know Phil I remember is the good side of Phil, mm-hmm. however, I did sense like i knew um even as a young child i I sensed and I could feel something that that changed you know mm-hmm. i could I could hear stories or hear the tone uh mm-hmm. when they talked or whatever and um and Phil was so open, like because he immediately started sharing his faith. So it didn't wasn't like he started cool. this later. I could hear him sharing his faith, and then he would reference what he came out of. So That's I heard cool. that a lot. And so, uh, but fortunately for me, yeah, I don't remember um, any of that. But again, you know, I could, I, I knew that there was something. You were talking about getting stuck. Um, it, it reminded me, uh, and I'll tell you this little story. I don't even know if you remember this or were aware. Um, so it was kind of like, um, reality TV. Uh, so when we first started, this is before duck dynasty, this is the show called duck commander. I think that was on outdoor channel mm-hmm. and we had our first day of shooting this reality show. And, um, so I remember the night before our opening day, which was actually opening day of duck season. Um, the night before I, we had mom and I had stayed up and we were counseling these people and we were trying to help them. It ended up going way too late, like like deep in the night. And it's kinda of like when I'm just like, We've got this thing and I've I'm going hunting, which is super early. Uh, but we just felt like we have to do this. This was where life took us at this point. I'll never forget this. I set my alarm on my phone and for some reason my phone froze up at like 315.
0: Hmm.
1: And it just didn't it was still saying three fifteen oh. AM so my alarm doesn't go off. So I don't wake up. And so I open my eyes and I realize if I can see daylight, <laughs> I'm way not where I'm supposed to be because I was supposed to be yeah. at field, out in the woods, pre way, pre daylight. And I open my eyes and I'm like, uh, oh. and I grab my phone and it's it hung 3:15. up. It says 315 AM. Oh my gosh. So I like re- reboot the phone. And then when it comes up, uh there's a lot of text messages, you know, like where where are Shoot. you? We're starting. And so, now I'll go back to the scene of where they were set and and this is about TV and kind of where you're stuck. It's like when you when you get to this place where it's like, "Oh no, everything's bad." In TV, I'd be like, "That's probably what it needs to be about." Yeah. And so so the scene down there is the camera crew's there. Everybody's ready. They're getting in the boat. And and the production company hasn't realized at this point that I'm not there. So Phil's just telling them. Jace is telling them stuff. And so finally, the director looks up and goes, hang on. Where is Willie? Like like one of the main parts of this this show, he's not here. Phil and Jace do not bat an eye. My dad does not. He just looks up and goes, I'm pretty sure he's still in bed asleep. You know, like, obviously, yeah. where where else would he be? And they're like, we can't, like, we can't even film what we're going to film. You know, we can't show it. And Phil could care less. He's like, well, we're going hunting. And so, so then back to me at like probably 830 in the morning and I called Jace, I gave him on the phone and I said, Jace, um, I've got to come down there. Like, I, you know, how do I get out there? And he goes, well, there's a little, like we call them P-Rows or tiny little boats, get that and paddle out here. So I go to the place, I drive down there, I get to the place. It's the say it's the tiniest, it's maybe the size of like part of this couch. I mean it's it's literally tiny. And so I thought like
0: paddle board?
1: It well, I think it was like a serving tray, like you would put it on a table.
0: And weird. I'm thinking,
1: well, I guess that's what he wants me to get in. So I get this thing, and it I mean, it's just full of Willie. There's nowhere anywhere else to go, and I've got my stuff. And I had this little teeny tiny paddle. And every time I would go once, it would like throw me this way and throw me. Oh my and God. so I start out, you know, and I've got my phone. I put it in a baggie, but I'd pull it out because I was like, I'm gonna tomp in this thing. That's so it. I caught him like, I'm paddling out, don't shoot me, you know, because I'm coming out through the woods. <laughs> Cause I could hear him calling and shooting. And and when I pop out in this little boat and everybody looks, go, what is he? what is he in and so it turns out it's something that you pull behind like if you were walking through the water you would like put your things in there oh, that's not meant there. for a human being to do it. in fact it was so impressive they all tried it later no one could get in it <laughs> so without everybody. it tumbling over so the first show that was the show yeah. so where we got stuck and was like the show is over like we're not going to be able a film yeah. ended up being way me and the teeny tiny yeah. boat Because Phil said just looked like I was on the water. You couldn't even see the boat. And that's what made the show. So So sometimes it's where we get stuck at is actually what you probably need to be focused on outside the plans that yes. you had, you know? And that's so, reminded so me that.
0: good. That's so true because that's the heart of the message is that the place that you think you're stuck at, that you appear to be stuck, might actually be where God's planned you to be so mm-hmm. that his glory can be revealed. Like when you think about it, I mean, let's go Joseph stuck in prison, mm-hmm. but he wasn't stuck in prison. He was supposed to be there so that right. the people in the palace could see him and elevate him to that position. Um, Daniel stuck in a lion's den, not really stuck, you know? Mm-hmm. To get eaten by a lion, but so that he could get out of the den right. and God's glory be revealed. Shower at Meshach and Abednego, stuck in a fire, not really mm-hmm. stuck to be burned, but so that the fourth man could be revealed. Paul, stuck in prison, but not stuck to just sit in chains, but mm-hmm. so that he could sing and worship to the prisoners right. and the guards. And you just look at this and Jesus in the tomb, but not meant to stay there right. so that he could bust out of the tomb. Right. And I mean, you just go through story, after Peter's story. Peter's stuck story. in a boat
1: after he's denied knowing who Jesus yes. is. Yes. And I think he's just out there going, that's it. Well, it's missed over. It.
0: It's over. Like I
1: had it all set up. Yeah. This is the way it was supposed to be. And I blew it. And he even said I was going to blow it, and yep. I still blew it, knowing that he said that. And now he's in a boat, and Jesus was like, comes back to it. Yeah, like, hey, y'all want right
0: it? when you think you're stuck, yeah, that God's about to do something, but you got to trust Him. You got to have I see that. And I love how when you think about all these people who were stuck, they didn't just sit there and act stuck. Like Joseph was still interpreting dreams. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were having faith to walk in the fire. Paul was still worshiping and pra- praising and all these things. Now Peter. He got a little... He got a, We don't know what Peter's intentions were. Maybe he was going back to what he always knew. Maybe he was sitting around waiting. We don't really know. I think that relates to so many different right. people. Sometimes when we feel stuck, we trust the plan. We trust it's a part mm-hmm. of the process. Sometimes we're doubting the plan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're like the Israelites and we're like, should we just go back to what we knew? Cause it looks right. like we're stuck. And so it's in those moments of being stuck that you get to decide what you do with that. Like you didn't have to get on that little serving tray and powder yourself <laughs> out there. That could have been end of the story, you know, whatever. But that's what made the show so funny that you decided i'm gonna do this. i wasn't
1: even trying that's just they didn't realize the boat had moved and yeah. that was sitting there no one ever dreamed anyone would even attempt to do that <laughs> and so when i and i literally thought i guess this is, this what, is it. it's a one-man little yeah. one-man boat and
0: uh and i don't think i could got. do it to this
1: day i don't think i could get in there and do that and pull that off so uh, it's
0: a good point of like you gotta work what you got when you're stuck and i was gonna ask you this um Anyways, and I think this is kind of uh, a good point, a good time to bring it up. So when y'all were kids, even though the life had changed, Pebble life had changed, your marriage is getting better, everything is good in a sense, y'all still didn't have any money. And there was, um, you know, y'all were poor, you know, and so you're sitting here <laughs> and you could have stayed stuck in the fact that you don't have money, but you were working what you got. You definitely worked what you, get, what you have, and I think that that's really cool uh, to bring up because you did end up taking over the business, and you and Mom have done such a great job with Duck Commander and Duck Dynasty, but... Um, way before you started, you know, helping Peppa Phil sell duck calls, you were selling some other things. So tell us what little <laughs> kid Willie was doing, working what you got in the season you were in.
1: Yeah, I tell this story all over the country and uh, especially business and people wonder like, because the question will be like, how did you become the CEO and um, of this company? And and I say it goes all the way back to like when I was in fourth grade and fifth grade. Um, I, I had a really good work ethic. And so we, we learned how to work hard. And so we were, working and i was you know we would do a lot of stuff for duck commander like we were the employees and um it was like child labor but dad never like gave us any money so it wasn't like it was all the greater purpose and electricity (laughs) we gotta have food you know and so you're you know you're paying for your part which was fine but i was like i get some cash you know if i had some cash man so i started this my first business was a worm worm
0: farm and so i
1: had this uh dad had this old boat and it was like um like it's submerged in the creek. And so I pulled it out and I I put it up on sawhorses and I filled it up with cow manure. Uh, No, I've never heard this. Yeah. Phil said, worms love cow manure. So, so you've been down there. So about a mile up the road where that pasture is, there were cows back in the day. And so I did a wheelbarrow. We didn't have a buggy or we didn't, you know, and I was in fourth grade, so I wasn't driving. Uh, So I did a wheelbarrow that whole, mile road oh my and i filled gosh. it up i dumped it in there filled it up dumped it in there like one after another no way. Uh, filled it up went and found all the worms and um i had thousands of worms in there and i would put cornmeal and then i had it covered up with like old sheets of plywood i'd water it you know a certain time and then when the fishermen would come on saturdays in early sunday morning i would set up a sign it would say worms five cents a piece and so i would dig them out <laughs> and i had all my cans so i had every like uh corn can like all the cans that we had used like canned goods and so I'd fill them up and put dirt in there. So I did that and I made some money, not great. But then the the big break came was in fifth grade. <laughs> um grade. yeah this was amazing. Um <clears throat> so this guy came down so there are always people coming down to our house like because we were at the end of a dead-end road phil made these duck calls so kind of word had gotten out that yeah. you know phil's making these duck calls they were selling but so it's like people would come through town so this dude came down he was like he wanted his duck car he wanted it worked on or something and um he was telling us he was a candy distributor and so i didn't know what a distributor And i remember asking him like you know what is a distributor and he said why well, I, I sell the candy which i heard candy i was like hey i'm all over that he goes, I sell it to the gas stations where you buy it, but I'm the one, you know, then they become the retailer. And so it was like my whole educational business was like right here. I was like, oh, that's brilliant, you know? And so as he's leaving, he hands, uh, I think Phil, he hands them a box of of Hubba Bubba bubble gum, And he goes, here, this is for the boys. Well, you want to talk about the right place at the right time. I'm standing right there, and I've been asking this guy questions. So Phil just hands it to me. I think... Phil's idea was like I was going to distribute it to to my brothers, brothers, but that was not what I had in mind. So I took it to my room and um, so I just laid on my bed. I just remember staring at it. I just couldn't believe I had it. It was like, you know, it was like my precious. Yeah, I was like, what do I do (laughs) with this? And uh, so I was considering, like, do I just chew my face off, like just one after another and blow these giant bubbles? But then I decided, what if I became like a retailer? Like, what if I just sold it? i'm mobile i can i've got a school i've got you know i've got a target audience and the school didn't sell gum in fact they kind of frowned on even chewing gum mm-hmm. and so i got on the school bus and i remember that far. i had a pack and i said well, we'll see how this goes i mean i'm sold out by the time i get in the, the street i'm like oh <laughs> man so i sold i'll blitz through that really quickly so i went back to mom and i because now i got some some more money i'm still doing the worms but i'm doing this so i'm now i'm getting a little money and I said, mom, you gotta take me up to the big, uh, the kind of cash and carry. It was like where you could buy bulk size. So I bought, and and pretty much I studied what the concession stand had, and I just bought other stuff that they didn't have. So So it was gum, it was every, all these other flavors that it it looked, my selection looked more like the gas station, not the concession stand.
0: Where did you have it set? Did you have it in your locker? So
1: in my locker, so I had these, I brought brought bricks, like I would bring bricks and boards (laughs) to school and I built like shelving in my locker so I didn't have any books it was just all that and I had candy like so I would open my locker and I would like you know sell stuff out and then I would have it in my pockets and so I started wearing like big coats all the time (laughs) and I'm like dealing and it wasn't like I was hiding I was like I'm just making money well concession stand back then school ended at three concession stand was like 240 so it was like the last 20 minutes of the day well I mean, I basically got everybody's money. By the time that happens, they're out. This is before nobody had an account. You got to think like, you got to think back. It's not like your parents put, like, it was, everything was cash. And so, and I pretty much had everybody's money in the school by then. (laughs) So the principal, like the concession stand had met with the principal and they were like, we're not selling. Like, I don't know what's happening, but something has happened. Nobody's buying any of the candy we're just, you know, so he starts asking around. Sure enough, it's like so Willie Robertson's selling everything. You know, he's selling gum. He's selling all this stuff. And my teacher knew about it, and because she called me the little tycoon, that was her nickname little for tiger. me. Because I mean, I'm rolling around. I got a wad of money now all the time. You know, I got change. You know, because I got to make so change funny. for everybody. And um, so he calls me in his office, and um, it was fifth grade. And he came over the intercom. So I'm walking down the hallway. I'd never been in trouble, and. I walk in his office and i don't know what he's gonna you know like and so i walk in there and and so i'm like i don't know if he's gonna he said willow are you selling are you selling stuff out of your locker candy and gum and at this point i'm like does he want me to teach a class does he want me to like present something (laughs) to the school does he want consulting work you know for the uh know, i don't know what he's getting at and he said well i just met with a concession stand and they've they told me they they're not selling anything and and so he said I you're not gonna you can't do that anymore like no more selling anything at Pinecrest School and I'm just you know I was crushed I was like what am I gonna do you know like because then I had gotten you know all this money I was like what am I gonna (laughs) do now you know I didn't know what I was gonna do I was like you know I you know I said it was my first run-in with the government you know trying to shut me down so um so then I ended up coming up with other things that I tried to do, and uh, seeing that I couldn't sell things, and that ultimately led to the to the human jukebox. Um, My
0: favorite business you ever had.
1: So that was on the school bus, same year. I mean, it pretty much started right after that, and I did that for for several years. And I would I would pop up on the the back of the seat, and uh, Miss Miss Leonard was the school bus driver, and um, uh, she'd be yelling at me, you know, said you know, but I'd be up, and so I would I would mechanically made myself say, like, all right, the human jukebox is now here. And so the kids would put like a quarter in my armpit and I would mechanically drop it in my hand, put it in my pocket, and they would like punch on my chest and they would whisper what song they wanted me to sing. And so I'd learn, I'd memorized all these songs from uh, your Uncle Alan's eight track tapes. No and so way. I was had a, he had this big stereo and had all these eight track tapes. And I mean, I wore them out and the music would start bleeding over each other. It would be like kind of, but uh, And the, the main one they always wanted to hear was um, he had Foreigner, and so it was Jukebox Hero, which is funny because I was a human jukebox. So
0: funny. And so I
1: would sing this song, and I'd be like up and down the aisle, um, and then she'd be screaming at me. The bus driver would be like, sit your butt down, you know, you can't be. And I'd be like, standing in the rain with his head hung low. <laughs> so <Sorry>, everybody... <laughs>
0: So good. So it
1: kind of just became this thing that it just was entertaining. It's so Because I was on that school bus forever. It's
0: so Because you know how far
1: down yeah. that house is. So we were like the first ones they picked up and the last ones they dropped off. And so um, you
0: got to work what you got. So I'd
1: make my quarters and it wasn't you got. as lucrative as the candy and I gum just business. I love
0: it so much. Because um, we talked about this before on the podcast. And there's a sermon out that I did a couple years ago about how, like, what God was doing in your life back then was really preparing you for where you are now. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you look back and you see his hand in all the things. You know, in the time, you can't really see what each thing is purpose for. But then you look back and you say, whoa, you really did work all things together for good. Right. And when you look at yourself as a kid, I mean, you're learning business, you're selling things, you're singing, all these different things, <laughs> which fast forward to now, I mean, you run this business, Duck Commander, you're on TV, you're entertaining people, you were on The mass Singer, you literally sang songs, like all the things, that God was just kind of cultivating you yeah. as a child, like, is really something that you've gotten to do as an adult, which I just think is really special. Um, and
1: nothing was wasted.
0: Nothing was wasted. Not a single. It's
1: like it's like when I moment. cook, and you know I cook a lot. Oh yeah. And so I love when I'm cooking is that nothing's really wasted. Like I'll take this, I'll cook bacon that's gonna go in this, and then I'll use what was left on that, and then I'll cook that down. And so I yeah. love a meal where I'm like the end. It's like. What did you toss away? It was like nothing. Everything, That's so cool. even the vegetables that got cut, we we uh, we cooked those down and then used the juice from yeah. that. And so in life, as I look back, it's like a big pot of gumbo. It's like nothing got wasted. Yeah. Everything had some flavor or something that I was able to use. Because um, I remember a time in my life when I was like, oh, I feel like I'm. I started too late or I didn't, you know, I should have got a different degree and, mm-hmm. and all that. So there were times in my life that, mm-hmm. you know, that I was like, ah, I just wasted, you know, yeah. wasted this time. But now as, as life came around, yeah, I'm still telling stories of things that happened that, yeah. that weren't wasted at all. Uh, which is just amazing, uh, is to be able to do that. And you mentioned earlier about ministry, um, which is what I wanted to do was be in ministry. Um, and didn't know which way to go. So I was like, do I become a minister? Mm-hmm. Or is there something else? Which mom going to college made me go to college, if I wanted to be with her at that point. Um, and so doing that, and then was able to to minister to a lot of people. But as I as I read the New Testament, there was a lot of smaller... Ministry is small things. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned, the the pastor goes to the bar, this conversation. Most of the things... In the New Testament, are just these small, especially yeah. in the Book of Acts. It's just a few people. It's yeah. one person to one person. Jesus and the woman at the well, or Philip and the Ethiopian. Yeah. So it's not these big, <laughs> you know. Acts two is a big, grandiose thing, but a lot of these things were just small yeah. things. And so as I think about our lives, is you know, it's, it's not always. I think some people are like, oh, I guess you know, I guess you can do this yeah. because you have this big platform. But um, re- really, the things we're doing now is no different than what we did then.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I love that so much. I love that you said that that all things can work together and nothing is wasted because I think (laughs) a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are in their 20s and it kind of is the years of like, oh, did I mess this up? Did I waste my time? What am I going to do? Is it going to be this or is it going to be that? And I just love that. I don't feel like God is... um, It's not like God's waiting on you decide is it this or that, he's in it all. So whatever you do, I love that verse, whatever you do, do it as if you're working for the Lord, not for men, so that's whatever. And when you look back at your life, I mean even in college, like you said, you got a different degree, you got a PE uh, degree and then you you wanted to like start a bowling alley and you wanted to be a professional (laughs) scrabble player and like I hear all these stories and you wanted to do ministry, vocational ministry and all these different things, but like none of it was wasted, like all of it made Mm -hmm. you who you are today and um, also makes for some awesome stories to tell about You know life. where I
1: see God at work? Hmm. You know where it's easiest for me to see God at work or what God did? Looking backwards.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It's
1: not looking forward. Yeah. Because when I when I talk to young people and they've, not just young people, uh, I can talk to churches and I can say it's like You've got it all planned out. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna move here, then I'm gonna have this. So it's like we're looking forward.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm telling you, Sadie, as I've looked forward in life, I'm, I've, I, I just, there's no way I could have seen any of this. Yeah. How was I supposed to say like when it's like, what's your 10 year goal? It wouldn't have included uh, reality TV show yeah. and doing that, none yeah. of that. But yeah. as I look backwards, I can look, I can say, ah. Oh, I can see God working there. Then yeah. you did that. Then he did this. So sometimes I try to get out of the way and rather than me plan everything, yeah. like I see it going, I just let God take wherever that's at and wherever I'm at and the Holy Spirit. And then I just go along that's with good. that flow and I can look backwards a lot and go like, wow, yeah. look at how that worked. And so sometimes that's I good. think we can really outthink ourselves by trying to plan it. And then when it doesn't happen, we're back stuck again. Yeah, and we're like, true. oh, I was supposed to go to college and then I was going to do this and yeah. then I was going to meet the guy and then I was going to, you know. yeah." It's and then when something happens, you know, or then we were going to have kids at this point and then boom, you can't have kids, you know. Or it's yeah. like, that takes longer, you yeah. know. So even mom and I, like, like we had you and John Luke and then we we're going to have the next one. And then all of a sudden it yeah. didn't happen. And we we're like, ah, oh, we're stuck. Yeah. Well, now we're open. To adopting yeah. will. It's
0: cool. And
1: had we had that, had we had Bella, I don't know that yeah. we would have been open to that. And then we get Will, and then that unstuck might. again, then we have Bella. Wow. So isn't it amazing? Like when you look at that. Now, again, looking back, we can see that. Looking forward, it was hard to see that. It was yeah. like it just looked like, oh, this is this is a problem. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know. And even in those times, we didn't have a lot of money. I think sometimes people think like, oh, What's easier for y'all, your family, Mm y'all got money. I mean, these are back in times when, um, even when we adopted Will, we couldn't, we couldn't afford to pay the, like the little payment that, you know, the, the money of what it cost, And so we were literally just going and going with God and saying, he's Mm going to work this out. And, um, and again, I can, you know, I can look back and, and I I think that's what, you know, I think you can look back at your life and see all those things and Mm -hmm. just don't try to plan everything, how it's supposed to be and how. Cause you'll, you can cloak it and you can say, well, God. No, God's going to be in all this, but just be careful when you're the one yeah. saying how God's going to do it all.
0: <laughs> Boom. That's a word for a lot of people, including myself. That's so good. Um, recently, we got a question sent into the podcast because we get questions a lot of time for, you know, me and mom do that series and it's like a messy conversation about anxiety, a messy conversation about all these different kind of things. Um, but someone recently was like, we all talk about how to share the gospel with someone. Mm. And when I saw that, I was like, we'll have the perfect person coming on the podcast <laughs> for that. Um, Because, you know, even without even asking the question, if you went back and listened to this podcast, how many times did dad say, sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel? Mm -hmm. When I told Phil we could share the gospel, then like your heartbeat, I mean, for everything you do is like, can I share the gospel in it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think like, not a lot of people think about it like that. It's like, if I am in a church, then I'll share the gospel. Or if I'm at a small group, then I'll share the gospel. But you're like, wherever I am, whatever I do, whoever I'm talking to, I'm sharing the gospel. And I love that not only do you do you're that. Open you're that. open to sharing the gospel. You're yeah. open to sharing the gospel. You're not forceful, it's not everywhere, it's not awkwardly brought up. Yeah, I think up.
1: sometimes people get weird and they just start.
0: It's not like that, <laughs> not like that. But you are always thinking if there's an opportunity, you know, right. to share. And it comes up naturally with you. Like, it's not like it's forced in a conversation. It's just such a part of your life that just comes up. But um, you just wrote a book that is not out yet. And that might be one of the first places that you announce this, but it's helping people do just that. And so tell us about the book and just your heart behind it.
1: Yeah, the book is called "Gospeller." Uh, so pronounced cool. like that. It looks like "gospeller," but it's Gospeler. And it's uh, simply one who shares their faith publicly or uh, personally. Um, and I just love the simple word. Mom actually found the word. It's an old word that was and it was used in america a lot it's like there's there's even we found like where it was written in laws and stuff and um and which is kind of not ironic that you've never heard of this word anymore yeah. i'd never heard of it uh probably because it's, there's less people sharing their faith yeah. and so cuz it was like it's not a minister it's not um as a, a pastor minister or preacher it's not like that it was just a you know it could be any uh simple person uh that could that can share their faith and mm-hmm. so Found that word. I was like, I think that's perfect, and um, it's turning darkness into light, one conversation Mm -hmm. at a time. And so, um, and I feel like that's what the gospel—that's what the gospel is. And so, it's it's more than just listening to someone's problems, or or, that's part of it, and that can be where it starts. But if you just listen and never offer any hope, or never Mm -hmm. offer them a solution, you know, if the guy the guy would have driven to the bar and just filled us up and mom would have said that our life's terrible. but been like, well, I hate it for y'all. You know, I'll be yeah. thinking about y'all and then goes back, drives back yeah. and doesn't give any message. And so, um, so we try to tackle the things of why people don't, why they don't share their faith and what, what are the, uh, the things that happen. And so, and you hear a lot, like, like, as I talk to people, they're like, well, I don't know the Bible well enough, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, the Bible so well, you know, and, which I then again, I want to say, I'm not a, I'm not some professional preacher. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I like to study the word because I want to be prepared that when I do talk to people, I don't want to have to call someone and say, hang on, I don't know any of these answers. Let me call someone. Uh, So there are things that that we learn. Um, Some people think, you know, I'm just, my life was so bad. I'm the last one to tell anybody else something. And, and then again, we go back to the new Testament and we read about these flawed people who had who had done terrible things in their life, like the Apostle Paul, like Peter, who had blown up. We're we're seeing them sharing their faith, and they weren't perfect, and uh, but man, they were dedicated. And the 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 main text is you know from the New Testament is First Corinthians 1 through four, and so that's one that you know you just got to read. And once you understand the importance, of what what Paul is saying, and it's weird because it's at the end of. This book, it's at the end of 1 Corinthians, one of two uh, letters that he's written. But he goes back and he just said, mm. I need to remind you, you know, of the gospel. Mm. Like, like, don't forget what this is all about. Yeah. I preached to you what you received and on which you've taken your stand. Mm. And there's the message right there. How do we take our stand on the gospel? Mm. You know, what does that look like to yeah. take your stand? I don't know, you probably not may not have even thought it. about yeah. that. It's not just like, yeah. cause I think people feel like, well, I got saved. You know, well, how do you take your stand on the gospel? Wow. Um, it said, otherwise you believed in vain, hmm. which is kind of a negative. And then he says, it's the first, it's of first importance. This is, if this is what's most important, um, this will save you. And then he actually calls what it is. Jesus died. His, he was buried and he was raised. Yeah. That is the message. That's what's got to be the driver. See? Everything else will manifest itself from what Jesus yeah. did. So it's all about hence with God, the plan, what we did. And so, so the trick is then how do you get that? And now I think about the Apostle Paul. Remember when he says, I'm, I, I pray that the mystery of the gospel can come out of my mouth more clearly?
0: Yeah.
1: What is he? So yeah. he's praying that this mystery, so nobody knew the gospel better than Paul, why is he still praying that that he can reveal this mystery even better? I think it's because he knew it wasn't resonate with some some it would and wow. so he's like where he says you got to become all things to all men. Wow. You know, to snatch some from the fire. So if I'm trying to if I'm trying like you guys as kids when I was trying to teach y'all growing up it wasn't always the same. Like, I could tell you something, I'd have to maybe tell John Luke a different way or Will something, to, you yeah. know, to understand what that is. And so as I run into people, you know, for some people it could be uh, they may feel hopeless, mm-hmm. and so they're looking for hope. For some people it could be fear. For some people it could be sin. You know, if I, uh, it could be any of that. Some people could totally not even believe. They just really struggle with uh, with doubt or even believing in God, and... Which is okay, like because the Great Commission, when Jesus said, "Go yeah. and convert people, teach people, baptize people," uh, right before that verse, He says He called the eleven up there, and still some doubted. Yeah, so it's okay. That's
0: always been right. So,
1: so I mean, even yeah. that was the Jesus. eleven, yeah. he, right? And Jesus, so He didn't stop and go, like, "Hang on, start mm-hmm. over." Yeah, you know. And so, <laughs> whoever sweet. that is, I'm talking to. So, if I'm talking to somebody yeah. and they go. Well, I have no faith. What's like? I don't believe in any of this. I go, that's, a, you know, I get that. And so let's see if we can yeah. find, let's see if we can, what could I, how could we say this? And that's where I could see Paul going, yeah. how can I? So he's praying going, how can I come across to this person? Like, like yeah. Phil in the bar, like Jan is like going, what could I say? Well, she knew mm-hmm. she had probably told him that a yeah. hundred times, but he wasn't listening. Yeah. So then she's like, well, maybe this guy, because this guy's passionate, maybe she can speak to him in a different way. And sure enough, that was the combination. But also Phil then at that point had to say, I've got nothing left. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if someone comes to me and is like, hey, I just, I got arrested last night. I got a DWI. Uh, My marriage is on the rocks. I need a life change. Well, that's a layup for the gospel. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That was like, okay, you need something or whatever. Somebody's just like. Uh, but it's even tougher for people that aren't necessarily searching. Yeah. Now I may just plant that seed
0: yeah. and just
1: leave it and it just come back. And I don't, you know, and at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just, yeah. you know, and so then we go through, and in the book I go through certain verses that I go through with people. They, they've they been proven in that I'll I'll share with you a bunch of the stories of of me just talking to yeah. people. And so this conversation happened here and it's, It's never been in church either, by the way. These are like conversations happen on Friday night, Tuesday morning. Uh, This is where we're sharing our faith. And so I really feel like God, hopefully, if we can move the church into sharing their faith, uh, we could really see some dynamic revival, you know, and not just, you know, a pastor telling a group something. I always think about this, that if you had, no, if I gave your choice, would you rather have the one guy telling a thousand people something? Or have the thousand people talking about it. That's
0: I'll good. take the thousand 1,000. So
1: that's what I'm I'm hopefully trying to say. Hey, you, you know, this is a priesthood. You can go out and you can share this. That's and in good. fact, it'll probably mean a lot coming from someone. Even though the, the case of Phil is actually a a preacher that went up there. But then Phil became that same thing and that's actually good. brought all these people. And then that was passed on to me, not from what he told me. I saw it. Yeah. So as I'm growing up, I saw that dude just over and yeah. over and over it's not that everyone comes to the lord or or even understands that so i mean our lives can good. be testimonies yeah uh someone can see our family which we've seen that with doug Nasty going, hey man you guys sit around y'all pray together and you you get along you live by each other you work in business together how does that happen boom
0: yeah i can
1: tell you why so true. i go back to first Corinthians 15 because here's what's the most That's important thing to stand us on. right
0: it's good Gosh, I'm so excited! Um, I get to watch you live out this life. I get to watch you be a gospeler and mom and our family. And I'm so grateful for that, and that has massively impacted my life. And was, you are as well. Yes, you I, found am. A, I am. A way to what share I am. And it's not
1: always just the big things. Yeah. So this could be even someone that you know is like, I mean, you don't. It could be in any way yeah. that you're sharing. You know, and so you can always become. You know. Learn that and get in there and do that.
0: But it's so cool because what you said, like what we're doing now is what we've always been doing. Like when I think about, you know, speaking and baptizing people, I mean, I'm not just thinking about LO Conference where, you know, I get to do this too preach to a lot of people and baptize a lot of people and it's amazing and it's exciting that's great but thinking about in ninth grade when i had a bible study at the house and Mm -hmm. baptized people in our bathtub because i was like (laughs) this is dead to life you know like getting so fired up and getting our school fired up and talking to the girls that everyone judged and thought were just terrible and i'm like well let's talk tell them about jesus you know and then they're getting baptized in our house and like it's not, like, those are the ministry moments. That's what being a gospel is. It's not being a pastor, just being a pastor. Yes, you can be that as a pastor, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's not being, like, a social media influencer who preaches about Jesus. Like, it's the person who, like, sits across from someone at coffee and is, like, Hey, like you're struggling, let me tell you about the good news, you know? And so I just love that you're putting this book out because I love that you said, you know, what if church structure wasn't just one person telling the thousands, but the thousands of people telling those in their lives? Like that—that that is what revival is going to look like. That's whenever mm-hmm. it's going to spark. That's whenever the nation will actually start to change and the world will start changing and look a little bit different. That light will start taking over the darkness. And so Anyways, I'm just so excited for that and so glad that you wrote that book. And if you um, have listened to this story and this podcast, then you have a lot to look forward to. You have The Blind movie to go see next month, September 28th, and also to look forward to Dad's book coming out, Gospeller. Um, I just think that this is going to be huge encouragement to you. If you're someone who is struggling or someone who you identify with in the story of the blind, I think one way to even, you know, reach out to people who are struggling that you see and you don't know what to do is to invite them to the movie. You know, maybe that's like being the sister that Jan was to Phil. Hey, come see this movie with me. And maybe that can be um, the thing that opens the door for great conversation. So, so excited about The Blind coming out in theaters. Hope you guys love it. And Dad, thanks for being on the podcast today.
1: My pleasure.
0: And y'all, I want to give you a little bit more information about how to get a ticket. You can get early tickets at the which would help so much because however many early tickets we sell can help with how many theaters the movie gets to go into. Like we said, this movie is more than just a movie. It is a powerful story that we really believe is going to help change lives. And so go to theblindmovie.com, purchase an early ticket. It comes out September 28th. Go see it in theaters. And you can also find out how to bring this movie to your church at theblindmovie.com. We definitely want churches to see it and we know this is going to be so powerful for your whole church family to get to witness together. So go to theblindmovie.com and find out all the information there.